morning, church. It is so great to be with you this morning. Uh, I pray that you've already had a blessed morning so far. It is my privilege to gather us around the word this morning. And we have come to the chapter in the book that we have been teaching from for the last couple of weeks called Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table by Louis Giglio. And the chapter is called Freedom Revolution. Now, a revolution is defined as this, a forcible overthrow of a government or social order in favour of a new system. And when I went to look up some of the most famous revolutions um, in our time, uh, this little phrase came up that kind of headlined it. And I thought, that is perfect. It said this, through bloodshed came change. And I could not think of a better way to sum up how our freedom revolution was brought about. Through bloodshed came change. And it was through Jesus's bloodshed that we have access to complete freedom. Now, I know there has been a lot of talk of late about freedoms and Freedom Day But um, you guys do not know anything about Freedom Day until you have done 14 days hotel quarantine. Now, I'm not trying to say I've like done heaps worse than you guys or anything like that. But that thing is a whole different kettle of fish. Uh, The army kind of escorts you to your hotel. They march you up to your room. They put your bags inside. They don't give you a key. They close the door and you know you are not leaving that room for at least 14 days. And when you um, wash your husband's passport accidentally in those uh, 14 days in hotel quarantine, it's just like an unnecessary form of torture. It's just a horrible thing to happen, you know. Uh, But one thing that I found I would do during hotel quarantine was I would come up with all these ideas that I would think when I get out, I'm going to do this. Like when I get out of here, I'm definitely not going to need Netflix or watch TV or I'll be outside all the time. And what I found um, after the big Freedom Day, I did some of those things that I thought I would do, but soon over time, my habits took over. I didn't go out for entertainment. I stayed in and watched TV. I didn't all of a sudden become someone who lived amongst the trees. And when we talk about these kinds of things, it kind of conjures up the idea about the New Year's resolution thing. Same same kind of deal, like you make the New Year's resolution, but soon you find that sheer willpower is just not enough. And the same, it's the same when it comes to the freedom that Jesus offers. We don't need a resolution for freedom where we resolve just to be free because I'm just going to be free. Where I t- I'm going to tell myself I'm free. We need a complete revolution where there has been a forcible overthrow of a spiritual government or order that our lives have been living under. A revolution where the change has been brought about by bloodshed. And that is the type of freedom that we are looking at today. A freedom revolution, a change that has been brought about by bloodshed, 
where the order that once ruled our lives has been completely overthrown. I love the imagery that Psalm 23, our key scripture for the series uses. David, the psalmist, the writer of Psalm 23, paints all these incredible pictures for us. He talks about the beautiful pastures and the still waters that the shepherd's going to lead us by. But one thing he doesn't shy away from is the dark imagery. He paints this picture. He says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, a place where death literally overshadows him whether it be mentally, spiritually, physically. The critical Bible commentary describes the valley of the shadow of death like this. A ravine overhung by high cliffs, filled with dense forests and well calculated to inspire dread to the timid. It affords cover to beasts of prey. While it is expressive of great danger and cause of great terror, it does not exclude the greatest of all, which it is most popularly applied for, which is death. David describes this for us. He doesn't paint the picture that everything is okay. The fact that he says, I will fear no evil, suggests that there is actually evil to fear. It hasn't been eradicated off the earth, but right there in the middle of that, David describes that you set a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You set a table for me in the, in the midst of my complications, in the midst of, of depression. You set a table for me in the midst of the kids not doing what, what the, we want the kids to do. You set a table for me in the midst of a pandemic. You set a table for me in the midst of losing a job, in the midst of sickness, in the midst of disappointment. And it's easy for us to ask the Lord, why would you set a table in the middle of my enemies? Like you're the Lord of heaven and earth. Could you not have set it somewhere else? Is there not somewhere else you could have tidied up and we could have a quiet meal together just to get away from it all? And the answer is no. Why? Because God is more interested in freeing your spirit than he is about freeing you from your circumstances. Do not get me wrong. He cares about your circumstances but he is more concerned about the state of your spirit and whether it is experiencing true freedom than he is about whether your circumstances are affording you the comforts of this world. And in the next few minutes we have together, I want to explore this freedom that Christ offers us at the table. You set a table for us and there we find freedom. We'll explore this freedom through two points and they are not to be taken separately, they are to be taken together. But the first is this, that sin is one of freedom's greatest enemies. We live in a world where freedom has been redefined. Uh, you just have to look at the popular kids song in the movie Frozen sung by Princess Elsa where she sings the lyrics, there's no right, there's no wrong, no rules for me, I'm free. That is how our culture views freedom. 
And that is how our culture is teaching kids to view freedom. There's no right. There's no wrong. Everyone can do whatever they want, whatever suits them, and then we're all really free. But I want to tell you today, church, that is actually Christ's definition of slavery. Because that type of freedom leads you to become a slave to your flesh. You never can say no to your desires. You never can have self-control with all restraints thrown off. You simply take on a form of slavery that binds you to your flesh. Where you can't help but anger just takes over. You're in an outrage in a moment where we can't stop ourselves from going to that website, even though we had resolved not to go there again, where we cannot stop ourselves from using that substance, even though we said this was the last time we become slaves to our flesh. Whatever feels good in the moment. 1 John 3 verses 4 says this, Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. That definition that our culture wants to give us of freedom is the exact definition that Christ gives us of sin. And whilst it is not a popular rhetoric these days, there is right, church, and there is wrong in the eyes of the Lord. It might not be true in our culture, but it is true in the kingdom of God There is such a thing as sin, and it is one of the biggest enemies to our freedom. And while sin was dealt with on the cross, hallelujah, and we've been forgiven for it, we can know that fact and yet still choose to live a life of sin and then wonder why we don't experience the freedom that Christ promises. Whilst we believe that nothing can separate us from the love of God, sin most definitely can separate us from the freedom of God. Sin in its simplest form is thinking we know better than God. That's the simplest form I can give you, that we know better. So how do we know if we're choosing our ways or God's ways? The only way to know what sin is, is through intimacy with Christ. The Bible teaches us that Jesus is the word and he's the word made flesh. When we go to that table that he set for us, when we dine at the table with him, either through his word, through spending time in prayer, through practicing the disciplines outlined in the Bible, we are able to then discern truth. You see, the goal of scripture, reading scripture, is not that we just read scripture, but that we would be able to take on the mind of Christ. So then we would know this is right. This is wrong. This is right in the eyes of the Lord. This is pleasing to him and that will break his heart. His word is like an anchor. I like to think of it like an anchor that goes down. You could be in open seas, but you put that anchor down and you could be out there for hours and you don't notice you're bobbing around and moving around. But if the tide shifts and you suddenly feel the jolt of the anchor, that's exactly what it's like for the word of God for our lives. We could be immersed in culture. 
we could be immersed in our lives and in our jobs and busy doing what we're doing. But if we have the word of God as an anchor for our souls, when the culture gets too loud, it will pull us back and we'll be able to recognize that's wrong. This is right. I know that voice of the good shepherd who leads me through this valley of the shadow of death. Now, you might be thinking, well, this kind of all sounds, this sin talk sounds a little bit like the resolution. I just resolve not to sin. Well, if you just take it at that, it definitely is. Just try and do the right thing. Try not to sin. Try and be a good Christian. But there is another part of this truth, and it is this, that freedom is found through identity. Without transformation, You will just have to grit your teeth and try not to sin. But with transformation, we get a whole new identity. When we accept Jesus, there are two realities that we must acknowledge. The first is this. We become aware that we are sinners saved by grace. You cannot come to Jesus without that realization that you've fallen short. That is the first realization that we acknowledge, I'm a sinner, I'm saved by grace. But there is a second part that comes with our salvation, and it is this, that we are a brand new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. Now, if we just stop at that first realization, I'm a sinner saved by grace, we will continue to identify I'm I'm just a sinner. I'm a dirty, rotten sinner. How could I ever do any better? It's in my nature. It's what I've always done. But if we move into the transformation and accept that we are a brand new creation, we're not just polished up, dirty old sinners. We're not just rubbish that God's put a bit of glitter on. We're a totally brand new creation, one that has been freed from the slavery that we were bound to of the flesh. And that is the freedom revolution that Christ bought by his blood. That is the change that we can experience at the table You see, what happens at the table is that's where we behold Christ. We become intimate with him. And not only does a meal take place, but an exchange of the old self for the new takes place. Because 2 Corinthians 3.8 actually teaches us whatever we behold, we become. says, and we with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory. So unveiled face, you sitting with the Lord, nothing between you. And it says, as we contemplate the Lord's glory, we are being transformed into his image. And not just a stagnant image, it says we are being transformed with ever increasing glory. We are going from glory to glory as we look upon the Lord at the table he has set for us. And therefore, from that place, we're not just setting our willpower to say, do not sin because it's bad. We are actually having our whole identity reshaped to say, that is not who I am. That's not who I am anymore. Now, I've shared before in the past 
about um, my past struggle with bulimia. And the spirit on that disease attacks your identity. It wants you to believe that how you're created is not good enough. It wants you to believe that um, you're only worth something if you look a certain way. And that is completely contrary to the word of God. But I let myself believe those lies. Those lies were my enemies. And it started small at first. It was just um, posters of models on the wall or screensavers of body goals, things like that. But slowly, it took over my identity and I allowed that disease to dictate my identity. Now, we don't have time to go into the whole story today, but I want to tell you, freedom came for me when I literally pulled down those idols that I had put up and I replaced it with the word of God. I placed the scripture, I am fearfully and wonderfully made on my mirror. And as I confessed that over my life, something shifted in my identity. Because as I went to the table and met with Jesus, the word became flesh. As I, as I said that scripture, as I believed that scripture, something changed in my life and he changed my identity. Did my circumstances change straight away? Absolutely not. The battle raged all around me. But there was a meal set for me with that scripture that I could go and I could dine on that truth and I could behold Jesus and my identity could change as I went and met with him there, right in the middle of the battle. Now, I don't know what your battle is this morning, but I can guarantee you that Jesus has set a table for you that he has already gone before you, that there is an open invitation for freedom for you this morning. Will it be easy? Probably not. Will you need accountability around you? Probably. And discipleship and community. But there is a table that is set by Jesus that you would experience freedom this morning from the enemy's lies. Whether you've brought those enemies around because of your lifestyle of sin or you are just under attack, there is a, a table set for you where you can find freedom. Because we are not just sinners saved by grace, church. We are brand new creations in Christ. And he who the sun sets free is free indeed. He has made a way not just for a freedom resolution, but he has, by his blood, given us a freedom revolution, a forcible overthrow of government or spiritual order in favor of a new system. There is a way for freedom for your life. I want to speak over you this morning, the freedom that Jesus has for you is accessible if you would accept his invitation. He never packs up the table. He doesn't say you didn't make it on time. He doesn't say the meal's gotten cold, don't worry about it. He is always ready for you. He has always prepared a table for you. And the invitation is always, always open. I encourage you to take that this morning and experience the freedom that he purchased with his blood. Be blessed, church.